Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, come on in the house, World Overcomers family. It is Pastor Tony again. Man, this is week three. This is week three of the Can I Speak to the Manager series, and we pray that it's been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me teaching it to you. I want you to know that we're going to go deeper in the Word and pray that this has been a blessing to you, man, that we are getting the principle that if if it's going to happen in the earth realm, what God has promised us in the heavenly realm, it's going to be incumbent upon us to make it happen, okay? Not, not in our own strength, but when we do what only we can do, we release God to do what only he can do. We talked about out of uh, Ephesians 3 and 20, that now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask and think, according to what, y'all? According to the power, our ability, our strength that works in us, our faith that works in us, our ability to manage, our ability to manage that God is the owner of everything, and we are simply the stewards. We are the managers of another man's affairs. And so uh, it is very vital in this season, when God is calling us to do exploits, where uh, Pastor Andy has blessed our hands and we're stepping out and we're launching businesses and we're uh, creating new ideas and new strategies, that we be good caretakers of what God has entrusted to us. Last week, we talked about my mind in the middle. That when Paul told uh, the Roman church, he said, hey, don't conform to this world, but I need you to transform it by the renewing of your mind, meaning that there's got to be some renovation of how you think. There's got, you got to sweep some cobwebs out and you got to look at things differently, process things differently, and have a new, new paradigm of thinking if you're going to be a transformer. And I believe that God has called you, called me, and called us to be transformers. After all, we're world overcomers. How are we going to overcome the world if we don't transform the world, right? And so we're going to do that by the renewing of our mind. But today, we're starting at general description of, of what a good manager is. Then we talked about how good management starts in the mind. But we're going to talk about our emotions today. That, that this is uh, a, a, a very vital place uh, that people have um, been able to climb to the heights of their profession of what or their assignment. Or they have fallen into the depths of depravity all based upon their ability to manage their emotions. Uh, Moses did not inherit the promised land because he got so frustrated that he broke the Ten Commandments and that disqualified him from, um, from, from inheriting what God promised the children of Israel. Jesus even said, hey, it's okay to get anger. Just don't sin, meaning that you are okay. You, you, are, you have permission to have emotions but you got to manage them. You got to use them to fuel you to do what God has called you to do. You don't let them run amok in your lives because it will get you in trouble every time. Okay, so let's go to the word of God and see what the word of God says about it. And I'm going to give you our title. And we're going to see a place where Jesus was tested. Okay, 
We're going to go to the book of John, the eighth chapter, the first verse. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people were gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Now, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Now, look at very closely at 6. It says, They were using this to question, they were using this question as a trap in order to have basis to accuse Jesus. But look at Jesus' response. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Oh, man. Jesus was so cool, man. He knew that he had enemies. He knew that, that Jesus knew that I'm going against the system. But if we want to know a model of how to respond, how to manage situations, we simply have to look no further than Jesus. Jesus knew within himself, okay, they caught this woman in adultery. Now, let's, let's not even gloss over the fact that they didn't bring the man who was caught in adultery. They only brought her. And Jesus knew and perceived through the wisdom of God that these lawmakers and these Pharisees brought this to Jesus to trap him. I want somebody to type in the chat, trap. They brought this information not to glean anything, not to, not to see how astute Jesus was. They were trying to get him in a legalistic trap to make him look bad because they were jealous of all the throngs of people that were following Jesus. And so I want to talk today from a title of a message in the Can I Speak to the Manager series of It's a Trap. I want you to type, it's a trap. God is letting you know that when things and people and situations come to get you to get, a, get you off center and get you ultra emotional, that it's a trap. It's a trap to get you off focus. It's a trap to get you emotional so you don't manage your assignment. But look at Jesus' response. He didn't even answer them by words. Jesus got down on the ground. And started writing a message. And then when they kept questioning him, Jesus, 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 man, what you writing down on the ground? What you going to do about this woman, Jesus? Moses said she's supposed to be stoned. The law says, what are you going to do about that, Jesus? I thought you were supposed to be full of mercy. I thought you were supposed to be the embodiment of the law. And Jesus said, look, yeah, she sinned. But any one of you that have not sinned, you have permission to be the first one to throw the stone. And the word of God records that they all dropped their stones and walked away. Jesus was so masterful. He did not take the bait and got in some quarrel and some debate with them. He managed his emotions, but he recognized this is a trap. All that we had, if we would have the insight and the foresight and the wisdom and the discernment to know that when the vicissitudes of life come to, to mess us up and to get us frustrated, that we don't, we don't launch out and give them a piece of our mind and cuss them out and put our religion on the shelf, we realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is a trap. And I'm not going to succumb to it. 
And so we're going to talk about just for a little bit of some of the traps that the enemy in life will bring to us to nullify our effectiveness as a manager. First of all, let's disguise, let's not disguise, let, let, let us talk about the characteristics of a trap. Now, a trap comes in a disguise. It doesn't say overtly, okay? A trap is only successful and it is wrapped and cloaked in a level of deception. The purpose of the trap is to stop your progression. Oh, my goodness. That's all the devil wants to do. He doesn't care about you being saved. He doesn't care about uh, you being on your way to heaven. He doesn't care about you, all the scripture you read or the tongue that you speak in. All he wants to do is stop your progression. Because if I can stop your progression, then I can stop you from doing damage to my kingdom and snatching other people from the jaws of the death, of the death of the devil. So, so that, that, that's the reason the devil sets traps. The purpose is to stop your progression or tempt you to stop yourself. Man, I've said a couple weeks ago that the devil cannot stop us. He's not powerful enough. He's not big enough. He's not bad enough. But he knows that if he can nullify your faith, if he can nullify your confession, if he can get you focusing on the mountain rather than the mountain mover, he can stop your progression. But I'm telling you, you are the manager. You are the one. The buck stops with you. It's according to the power, according to Ephesians 3 and 20, that works in you. So let's talk about a couple of traps. Just got like four of them. We're going to be out of your way. The first trap is the trap of offense. (laughs) Somebody say offense. Oh, my goodness. This is a big one, y'all. Offense gives birth to bitterness. The word God said that offenses will come. People are going to rub you the wrong way. People are going to make promises to you and not keep them. People are going to talk about you, scandalize your name. People are going to lie to your face, make promises and renege on them. The word of God says that offenses will come. But let me tell you something. Being offended is a choice. You can't, like I said, like the, like the series talking about, I, I cannot, I cannot uh, uh, I change what happens to me, but I can affect how I respond to it. And what God is saying is, say, hey, offenses are going to come. They are inevitable. But being offended is a choice. And this is one of the great areas where children of God and Christians, they get off their assignment because somebody talked about me. Somebody, I, they borrowed money from me, and they didn't, they didn't return it back, and then they talked about me when they did it. And so you're out there trying to defend your name, and you're out there trying to um, make sure that people understand your side, and you have such a level of offense. And let me tell you what offense does. Offense puts you in a battle posture all the time. Where is it coming from? If people don't speak to you the first time you speak to them, why didn't you do that? Why didn't, you, why didn't you take my idea? Why didn't you do this? And we are such in a battle posture that we are not, we are not uh, collaborating with people who God sent to get us to the next level because we are operating in a spirit of offense. And if we're always offended, we can never collaborate. If we're always offended, we can't receive in love. If we're always offended, 
We can't help our fellow brother and sister. If we live in a state of offense, I know they did you wrong, but let me tell you something. It's not worth holding on to because what it's doing, it's making you an ultra-emotional manager. I don't know about you, but I've had emotional managers before. That when, some, when, a, uh, when a deadline is coming, they get moody and they slam doors and, and, and they, don't, uh, they don't speak to people. They're they, they quick with people. Emotional managers creates an unstable team. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to get offended so you'll never trust. Let me tell you something. God is so wise that he never put everything in one person. Because if, if, everything, if, if we were the answer, the solution, we had everything within us, we would think we were God. We would be arrogant and high and mighty. God said, I'm going to leave something out that you need, that you need a, a, a vacuum void that you're going to need somebody else. But if you stay in a state of fist, because he, 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 hear me clearly. The devil knows that there is power in unity, not only in thought, but in agreement in faith. And if I can create a schism between you and your business partner, if I can create a schism between you and your spouse, if I can create a schism in you between you and even your pastor, I short circuit unity. And if we are disjointed, we can never accomplish what God has collectively called us to do. It's a trap. Offenses will come, but just know it's a trap. You have to say, God, show me where the traps are. Show me where the triggers are. Show me where the things that the enemy is trying to get me out here in an ultra-emotional state because, so I neglect what, he, what God called me to do. God, show me the traps. Show me the traps. Number two is the trap of disappointment that you really were hoping. You really were hoping, God, this is the door. This, this, is, this is where I'm going to get my promotion from, and, 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 and this is going to be the real relationship. I know the other ones, and, and I, I put my faith and my confidence in me, and I've got more doors closed in my face. And so the disappointment comes discouragement, disencouragement comes to suppress our faith. Discouragement comes for us to change our language. That's what the devil does. It's a trap. It's a trap. If God spoke in the word of God, said that he is faithful to do what he promised. The word of God says that he watches over his words. I'm not entrusting this to nobody. I'm watching over my word to perform it on your behalf. Are you going to believe flesh that God created or are you going to believe the one that hung the moon and the stars in their place? It's a trap. I'm telling you, it's a trap that the enemy and life is bringing to you to discourage you, to make you change up the, uh, the confession of your faith, to change your expectation, to change what you're speaking and what you're looking for. And if he does that, he's got you. It's a trap. He traps you around your heart and in your emotions. Your hopes are so, and people even use the word of God as an excuse. Well, you know, the word says hope deferred makes a heart sick. I understand all that. But it also says that God is the hope of our salvation. And so I want you to know you have to hold on. I don't care if you got, only got a little infinitesimal little piece of promise left. Hold on to it. 
But if you let discouragement, you let disappointment, you might say, well, Pastor Tony, you know, I just changed what I was looking for. And so I lowered the threshold. Like, you know, okay, well, maybe God wants me to do this. Unless God has changed his plan, the original plan is the plan. Unless God changed and come to you and say, hey, this assignment is finished. I want you to focus on this. We don't need to help God out by lowering the bar for him. God said, if I spoke it, I'm faithful to promise. Uh, I'm faithful that promise. I will bring it to pass. I don't play games with you. What I told you in the middle of the night, what I told you, you got up and you wrote on your night, on, on your uh, pad, on your nightstand. I meant that, that dream that I gave you, I intend to bring it past in your lifetime through you. But you've got to cast down those imaginations. You've got to cast out disappointment. And you've got to feed your faith. What are you feeding? Are you having a pity party and trying to look for something to, to, to grow that level of sorrow? Or are, or, or, or are, you, are you feeding your faith and saying, despite what I see, I still believe this. God, you spoke this. Your resume is good. And I am going to spend my last breath believing you for what you promised me. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. Number three. I'm going to read the scripture first. It's Philippians 3, 13. Very, very familiar passage. It says, brother, I count not myself to have apprehended. This is written by Paul. Man, Paul is just so wise. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. But there's one thing that I do. I forget those things which are behind me. And I am reaching forward to those things which are before me. 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. Paul was writing to the Philippian church. As he was a lot of times, all this wisdom he was sharing with them. And people revered Paul. He was a scholar and he was a powerful man of God. Great combination of intellect and the spirit coming together. And people revered him. I mean, they were like, who's the greatest, Paul or Apollos? I mean, they, they, they really looked up to him. I mean, he would be, you know, T.D. Jakes of this day. I mean, this this how profound Paul was. He said, look, out of all that I've accomplished, I haven't apprehended anything. Like, Paul, what is the secret to your success? The secret to his, his success is that he forgets. <laughs> he was like, Pastor, what are you talking about? He did, he did not rest on his laurels. That I was riding to Damascus and Jesus himself said, why are not persecuting me? He didn't rest on his laurels of I set up all these churches and even though I didn't walk with Jesus, I've been the most effective as it pertains to building the New Testament church. He did not hang his hat and rest his laurels on those things. He said, all of those things mean nothing. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but here's a secret to my success. I forget those things which are behind me. Notice, you can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. He said those things. He did not say, I, I'm, I'm forgetting every bad experience that I've ever had when people disappointed me and when people let me go. He said those things. He let go of the bad and he let go of the good. And I've got a message for those people who are hanging on to the past. And that is trap number three. 
the trap that the devil uses, and that I'm, 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 you know what, I'm not even going to put it all on the devil. The trap that we ensnare ourselves with is our love affair with the past. Oh, my goodness. We have a love affair with the past. You ever seen somebody who just hasn't, they still living in the past, and they still driving a Monte Carlo with fur on the, <laughs> with fur on the steering wheel and dice, and it, I mean, it looked like they stepped out of a, a Superfly movie. Because they have not realized that the times have changed, but they have, it's like they, their mind and everything about them is, is still in a time capsule. Because they are still trying to relive the glory days of their past rather than being a, a participant in the present. And that may seem a little comical. You may not do that with your clothes. But I would dare say there's been a time in your life where you may be doing it now. Well, you may be looking at past victories. You may be looking at past conquests. Boy, I sure could. Man, the way I used to minister, I used to be on fire for God. I used to tell people, and I used to preach, and I used to teach, and people, I would, I would uh, lay hands on people, and people would get healed. That's fine, but like Janet Jackson said, what have you done for me lately? Not for me, for God. What have you done for him lately? I thank God. For the triumphs of the past. Oh, we always want to forget the bad stuff, the bad stuff of the past. I thank God that God used, used you in a mighty way. But if you're still breathing, there is more work yet for you still to do. There is something, I, I agree, we should be grateful for what God did through us. But there is more that he wants to do through us. And what he did was only an appetizer to what he wants to do. God wants to do exploits through your life. Let me tell you something. When Joshua led the children of Israel over the river Jordan, God commanded Joshua. He said, look, as you're going through the Jordan, I want you to get some small, smooth stones. Joshua, this is the purpose for it. So that when your children and your children's children ask you, what do these stones mean? You can tell testimonies of how God dried up the Jordan and separated water for the second time so that we can walk over. It's a confirmation of God's blessing. One time is a fluke. Two times it's, it's, it's established that we are God's favorites. So what does that mean? God didn't tell them, I want you to get a big boulder, put it on the cart. You know why? Because a big boulder would have impeded their progress. Oh, my goodness. And so many of us are carrying emotional baggage of the past, good or bad. We're so afraid to take a risk in the present, we will find satisfaction in past victories. And it's a boulder. And you're so emotionally weighed down, again, you can't progress because you're weighed down. It's a trap, y'all. Us having a, rom uh, a romantic affair with the past is a trap. God is a God of present-day victories and future conquests. And I believe that if you simply let the past go, he said, God told Joshua, look, take smooth sauce. I don't want you to forget, but I want you to travel light. Oh, my goodness. And that's a word for somebody today. You need to travel light 
emotionally, you're carrying too much. You're too heavy. Everybody you encounter, you're like an emotional sponge, and you soak it in, and you, and you, and you think that th this is a burden as a Christian that you have to carry. Jesus died for our sorrows. He died to carry all our burdens. You're not Jesus. You shouldn't be doing more than the master has done, and God is saying today, you need to get them some smooth, small stones as testimonies of what God has done, but the smooth, small stones allow you to be portable. It allows you to be agile. It allows you to move on to the next conquest. And so, so in other words, you can still honor the past while creating your future. And God wants us to emotionally let the good, like Paul said, those things, the good and the bad. One tidbit I want to leave with you. When you focus on the past, you neglect your present and you sabotage your future. Woo. It's like this. If I'm driving and one of my kids talk to me, I say, hey, what you want? What do you want? What do you want? I'm a threat not only to myself, but I'm a threat to everybody on the road because I'm not looking forward. I want you to promise yourself today and promise God, God, I'm thankful for what you did. But I want to see you do more. But if we neglect our present status, if we neglect what God has put in our hands to manage now, we do a disservice to the present and we sabotage our future. You can do nothing about the past, but you can affect your present. And your now and your current present will someday be your future. And so God wants you to avoid the trap of falling in love with the past. I want somebody to type, it's a trap. It's a trap, and we're exposing the traps of life today. The last one I want to share with you <laughs> is the trap of opposition. Somebody type opposition. The trap of opposition. I don't know who told us this. I don't know who, told, who sold us this cotton candy fairy tale that the life of the Christian would be without enemies and without opposition. I would dare say and submit to you that when you come over on God's side, <laughs> that is the beginning of your opposition. Oh, it's worth it because we know we win in the end. But you're going to get more enemies the more you follow God. The more you obey him, you're going to get more opposition because it is the devil's job to oppose not only the kingdom of God, but the citizens of the kingdom of God. He's not going to give you a blue ribbon for choosing God. He's not going to give you a, a, a gold star and send you a gift card because you're doing damage to his kingdom. His job is to oppose God and oppose God's people. And the sooner we realize that, we, we, we can use that to our advantage. I've got two examples for you. I've got two, two examples for you. When the children of Israel had been out in the wilderness for a long time, Moses sent some spies out. Twelve of them went out, Two, and, uh, ten of them came back with a, what they call an evil report. 
They even reported it like, hey, grapes are like this huge. We've seen the milk. We've seen the honey. We bought some samples back. But the only caveat is there are giants in the land. I mean, these sons of Anak, I mean, they are huge. These guys are huge. And we look like grasshoppers in our own sight towards these guys. That was 10 of them. They gave a report to the whole church congregation. Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, we acknowledge. They're right. They were accurate. Here are the grapes. Here's the milk. Here's the honey. And yes, what they're saying are true, partially. There are giants in the land, but we are well able. I'm going to say that again. The giants may be in the land. The giants may be in the corporate field. The giants may be in college. The giants may be in business or whatever endeavor you're, 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 on, you're taking on right now. We are not in denial of the giant. But we are well able. So let's go take our land at once. Why? Because one, it's ours. Two, God is on our side. And three, do you remember how God opened up the Red Sea for us? And he sent, uh, 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 um, uh, he sent locusts and he sent diseases and he killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. Do you remember everything God did for us? And you think we're going to go all this way and some giants are going to keep us out? They knew a secret. That giants are an indication that you're near your promise. The giants weren't anywhere else. They were in the land of promise. And can I tell you right now, if you're getting scared because you see corporate giants, community giants, business giants, banking giants, educational institutional giants, you are closer to your promise than you have ever been. Settle yourself. Opposition. And the fear of it is a trap. Another, another example I've got is old little, little Rudy David. He had been anointed king and went right back to serving his dad's sheep. He went to serve his brothers and take some lunch to them. They were on the front lines of war. He was minding his business, being faithful to what he was assigned. That's the key. He was being faithful to what he assigned. And he encountered Goliath mocking the people of God. Mocking him. He's like, you know, send me your best warrior. I'll feed him to the carcasses. I'll feed your carcass to the buzzards and all that stuff. He's like, who is this dude? Like, yeah, this is Goliath, man. He's champion of the Philistines. He's like, why? David's like, why, why are y'all letting him talk to y'all like that? David, would you just give us the lunch and go on about your business, man? Like, go back to Nintendo those shit. He said, no, this is, this is like bothering me. Why, why are y'all letting him do that? That's like, hey, I'll fight him. Like, David, please, come on, man. Really? No, he's like, hey, what does the guy get who fights? And he said, well, you get, you get the king's daughter and you get elevated. David's like, cool, I'll take that. Let's do that. David went out there with him and, and Saul said, hey, well, hey, look, if you're going to do it, here's my armor and here's my, he's like, look, hey, no disrespect, king. I've got my own stuff. I got this sling and I got these rocks. And with these sling and with these rocks, I killed a bear and I killed a lion. They came and took my dad's sheep. He said, like, this Uncircumcised Philistines are going to suffer the same fate. What am I saying? I told you that story to remind you that giants 
are the last test before elevation. You know the story. David, he, he, he threw the rock, hit, it, hit him right between the eyes and cut his head off. And right after he killed the giant, his elevation happened. Let me tell you, your next door of elevation is guarded by giants. <laughs> your promised land is guarded by giants. And the only way, God's not going to remove it. God's not going to zap him with lightning. God ain't going to make him get cancer and die. God said, no, you're going to face this giant. And you got to know that greater is he that is within me than he is in the world. And you will defeat your giant because the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. It's a trap, y'all. The trap of fear. Fear of the enemies. The trap of disappointment. The, chap, the, the trap of frustration. They're all emotional traps. And what God is saying is, I gave you emotions as the salt and pepper of life. I need you to manage them. You can be happy. You can cry. You know, Ecclesiastes said there's a time for everything. But God said you need to manage it correctly. Even Jesus wept. He felt sorrow when his friend died. But he wasn't overcome with sorrow. Can I speak to the manager? Hey, you, 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 you. You're the one responsible for your life. I don't, I don't need to talk to nobody else. I don't need to talk to the one who um, hurt you, afflicted you, did all those horrible things to you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You can't help what happens to you. But you can help how you respond. Because you're the manager. And I didn't forget. I didn't forget. We're going to read our creed one more time. Y'all ready? Let's go. I am the manager of my life. This life was entrusted to me to give God glory and to bless all that I come in contact with. I cannot control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to it and manage what happens in my life. Can I speak to the manager? Things aren't quite right. I need to speak to the one who can fix it. And you're the one who can fix it. I know life throws a lot of blows at us. It throws a lot of curveballs, a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger. You've got every legitimate reason to throw your hands up and walk away. Or to tell them a piece of your mind. But if you did that, you tie the hands of God. And God is saying, it's a trap. Have you ever watched... The movies where you, you know if they walk around that corner, somebody's down, uh, in a, with, with a knife right on the other side of that wall. You say, no, don't go down there. Don't go down there. It's a trap. And that's what God is saying. Say, look, don't take the bait, man. It's a trap. It came to get you frustrated and to nullify your faith. Don't fall for the okie doke. It's a trap. So my prayer for you. Is that God opens up your eyes and sharpens your discernment so that you're not so reactive when life comes, when offenses come, when disappointment comes, when enemies raise their head. That you settle yourself. That you remember not only who you are, but whose you are. And when you walk in that confidence, you will become the manager of your emotions that God called you to be. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for today.
We thank you, Lord, for emotions. Lord, they are the salt and pepper of life, Lord. We thank you, Lord, how we can feel gleeful in one moment and sorrow the other, Lord, because to every life, some rain must fall. And when the rain falls, it makes us appreciate the sunny days, God. So, Lord, we thank you for our emotions. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we are not just some unbridled, overly emotional Christian managers, God. The Lord, you've given us dominion not only over the, over the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and the beast of the land. You've given us dominion over our emotions. So, Lord, we thank you today that you open our eyes so that we can see the traps, that we can see the areas where the enemy is trapping us up, where we're falling for the same thing over and over again, God. Open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, allow us to trust you more. Allow, allow us to trust in the assignment that you have placed in our hands and allow us to look at everything from a big picture, not a myopic picture to where we can only see what's happening in the scene. Lord, allow us to see the whole story of what you are writing and what you're directing in our lives, God. Lord, we trust you, even in our emotions, God, when things don't feel well, when things don't feel right, God we will hold fast to what you called us to do. And we will be the managers that you called us to be that will make it easy for you to bless us and get to us what you have promised for us, God. We love you, we bless you, and we serve you for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. We pray that you were blessed. This is week number three, y'all. Week number three, you have to join me next week. We're going to go a little deeper in the Can I Speak to the Manager series, okay? Now, do me a favor. Would you sow into the good work of World Overcomers Christian Church? It is a place that is not only impacting the world, but impacting this area and impacting you online. You may be across the world, or you may be seeing this another two years from now, but if this has been a blessing to you, if this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way, if Pastor Andy's sermons and, and series or a word of encouragement he's given to you or, or a TikTok post, if it has been a blessing to you at any point of your life. We ask you to feed what's feeding you, okay? God bless you. We love you. And don't forget, you're the manager. And God is saying, can I speak to the manager? Have a blessed week. Take care. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.